Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Ferre and Bridget Spackman. And we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Today's episode is going to be all about workspaces. And specifically, we are going to share tips for establishing a functional workspace, no matter where you're teaching. So if you're in the classroom, if you're at home, if you're out on the sidewalk, these tips are going to help you create a workspace that will work for you. There is something just so nice about having a really good workspace. So I'm really, really excited about this episode. But first, let's go ahead and listen to a TSH from Eric. Feeling like I am always leaving my desk to be able to go grab something. Sometimes it's paper, sometimes it's a book, sometimes it's a set of copies. I feel like I waste so much time going back and forth that I don't get anything done. Listen, Eric, we totally understand where you are coming from, and we definitely have some really good top tips for you in this episode. Now, before we jump into those tips, let's just acknowledge this school year is very different. And as a result, we all have to kind of rethink our workspaces. Some of us might be creating a brand new workspace at home because we're teaching virtually. Some of us might be teaching from our classrooms, but might have to change our workspaces in order to fit new guidelines in place or to fit the different needs that have developed this year because of all of the changes. Now, your workspace is like your hub or your home base. And I think now more than ever, it is so important to have a workspace that is functional for you. And we are going to go into what makes a workspace functional and how do you achieve that. But I thought it would be useful if first we each share kind of our situation and what's happening this school year. Yeah. So my situation right now, as of right now, I feel like things are always changing. So um, as we are recording this podcast, I am in school. So we have decided to go completely brick and mortar, having kids be able to come back. They do have the option to be able to choose if they want to do an online version or if they would like to come back to school. And as of right now, we have about 26% of our students who have, from the school lens, decided to stay online and all the rest are coming back. Guys, that's a really big percentage when you think about it. Um, So we're going to have pretty typical class sizes for the most part. So this means that I'm going to have kids in desks. They have to be in rows. They all have to be faced the exact same direction. We're all going to be wearing masks to be able to follow the guidelines that the, um, the Pennsylvania State Department of Education has like laid out for us. Um, but this means that my setup for my classroom is totally different. Uh, I can't have the same space that I did before. In fact, I was in my classroom the other day and I was looking at my space and I said, there's no way I'm going to have kids that are all crammed up to the sides of the classroom. Um, and that means where I was like in this little nook area, I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. So now I'm going to be teaching totally whole group, no small group at all, which is what I've been doing the, for the past four years. And I'm up front. So I had to completely change the design and the layout of how I'm going to be able to go through the entire day. So my district has opted to remain virtual. So having our students complete it online for the entire first semester, which for us is through the end of January. What's crazy about that, though, is that as a teacher at this time, which we are recording this podcast episode because we do batch these kind of ahead of time, I'm recording this mid-August. 
I don't know yet if I personally am going to be teaching from home or my classroom, if I'm going to be forced to do one or the other, or if I'm going to have a choice. I have no idea yet. We have not been told. As a result, I'm here at home because I don't have access to my classroom over the summer. I won't be able to get in there if I can get in there for another two weeks or so. I have developed a workspace at home, but I don't know if I'm even going to get to use it. However, for me, I just thought it was smart to go ahead and create that workspace because even if I am teaching from the classroom, I think at any time I could end up back at home. Whether someone at school has contracted COVID or maybe, I don't know, as a state, we start receiving more cases and they send us all home. I don't know. Um, So right now, I do know my students will be at home. They will not be in the classroom with me, but I don't know where I'm going to be teaching from. So I kind of have to be flexible and I might even have to have multiple workspaces, which we'll get into in just a second. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk before we start to kind of give you some uh, tips. And in fact, we have steps for you today in helping you to be able to design a functional workspace wherever it is that you are. Um, But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about what actually makes a workspace functional. And so one of the biggest things is that it allows you to have an increase of productivity, right? That's what we want it to be able to do. When we think about work, we think about productivity and getting the most out of the time that we have to complete that work. So your funks, your workspace is going to be functional when it increases your productivity, but it's also organized and clean so that you can be effective. And this goes back to Eric and it's having to kind of go and, you know, find things and looking for different materials. And that does tend to waste a lot lot of time. Yeah. So in addition to having everything organized and clean, you need to make sure you have the materials that you need there at your workspace. You're not just organizing a bunch of random stuff that you're not going to use. You are organizing the materials that you truly need. And those are materials you have prioritized. You also want to make sure your workspace is comfortable. Let's be honest. None of us are super productive if we are uncomfortable. And the same goes for our students. That's why I've always allowed my students to work around the room wherever they feel comfortable because I know that that will increase their productivity. And keep in mind, this does not have to be a desk. It's just a designated space. So it might be a table. It might be a cart. And we're going to get into some of those different possibilities, but it does not have to be your stereotypical desk. I'm glad that you mentioned the comfortable factor. Um, so fun fact, we have been totally kind of changing up our office space, um, which is where we record. It's like my little studio slash office space that I have in my house. And um, I have a really good desk set up. And for the longest time, I had a really like chair that basically it's stuck to your thighs. Like if you were wearing like shorts or a skirt or something, it would basically have that feeling where you were like peeling yourself off of the chair, incredibly uncomfortable. But then I also had this like it's not, it's like a, it's a stool, but it's like a footstool to a couch. And that's what I was using to sit on. And it would either hurt my back and so I would be in total pain or like my bum would not feel very good. So we just recently got some nice chairs and it just, it has completely revolutionized my space. So now let's talk about why this is important. I know Bridget just kind of started to touch on it, but 
This is going to force you to really prioritize your stuff. And I'm using air quotes. You just can't see it. But I think especially as teachers, we tend to have a lot of stuff and we tend to think that everything is important. But when you're creating a functional workspace, you're going to really have to prioritize, do I actually need this? And it's going to, again, allow you to increase your productivity, which means you're going to have more time to do the things that you love. You're not going to be working all hours of the day. If your workspace is truly functional, you're going to get more done and then have more time later to do the things that you love. And you know what? Our situations, what we're doing is is really so different and it's changing on the daily. And it seems as though we have more on our plate than ever before because we have so many different new experiences. We're having to try out different technologies. And so it's really important that as we go about this, you're really kind of de- defining that functional space to be able to make it the most productive that it can be. You might be moving classrooms, you might be teaching from home, um, but our situations are all different. But I think the steps that we're having, that we have laid out for you guys today is really going to help you to define that workspace wherever you are. So we have just five steps, pretty easy. Step number one is to choose a designated workspace. I mean, that's a good place to start, right? You gotta choose a space. As we already mentioned, it does not have to be a desk. And keep in mind, this workspace might be stationary. I would say most likely it's probably stationary, but it could be portable. Bridget mentioned some of you might be moving classrooms. I know especially my special area teachers, they might have to go from classroom to classroom. So here are just a few examples. You might have that typical teacher desk. You might be working at a table. I know in the spring when we started working at home, I was working at my kitchen table. You might have a cart that's on wheels that you can wheel around to the different rooms, or you might have just a little nook area. You might only have at home a corner that you can designate to your workspace. So these could also be workspaces in, in, depending on your situation and how you go about kind of completing your work, you might also have to establish multiple workspaces if necessary. So for instance, you might want to have one space specific just for planning. And so it would have all of your planning materials, but then you would only have a nut, you might have another space dedicated just for teaching. So it would have all of the materials that you would utilize to be able to hold an entire lesson. So you have to kind of decide which is going to really work best for you. I know that for Michelle, I think the multiple workspaces work works really well for her. For me, I know that when I'm at school and I have my classroom, I like to have everything all crammed in one little spot. That probably sounds really bad, but I go so digital now that a lot of my planning materials are actually online, so it doesn't seem as cluttery as it probably sounds right now. But I have one designated spot for everything. You really have to decide what works best for you and your situations. So you may need to adapt these things as you go, and you might have to change things up as you're finding that certain things are working and certain things are not working for you. So keep that in mind. And this should also be in a location away from distractions. And I think this is a really big one. And for me, my office is like my place for no distractions. So when I have kids that are running around, you know, I have my husband is downstairs stairs doing things, I know that I can come upstairs and just kind of be away from everyone. Um, But you also have to consider your technology needs. So if you're going to be utilizing some sort of technology, 
at your workspace, whether it's a projector, whether it's, you know, having um, a hover cam, if you have a laptop, an iPad, making sure that you have all of your equipment there, um, you have access to be able to charge it. And that brings us right into step two, which is to set up your necessary technology. We all know that sometimes technology can be bulky. I will say it's gotten better every year. You know, technology tends to get smaller, although now our phones keep getting bigger. Have you noticed that? There was this trend where they were getting smaller, 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 and then now it's like, no, I need more screen size, and they're getting bigger, bigger, bigger. (laughs) But technology can be bulky, especially those projectors, those document cameras. And let's be honest, technology requires a power source. Most technology. Some have batteries and you might be able to use it for a week at a time, but they're going to require charging. And there is nothing worse than setting up your workspace and then realizing, oh, I don't have a plug nearby. And personally at school, we can't use like power strips or extension cords and things like that because they're a fire hazard. So make sure that you are setting that technology up first so you can figure out if it's going to work in that space. So some examples of this technology might include your computer, your projector, document camera, any charging cables that you need. So if you're using an iPad, you want to make sure you have a spot to be able to charge it. A power strip, if you're at home, you can use it. Or if it's allowed at school, just making sure you have all of that technology set up from the very beginning. Step three for creating a functional workspace is to create a list of materials for each task. And so what we mean by this is you really want to think about the subjects that you are going to teach. Okay. So for each subject, you want to come out with a list of materials that you're going to use in order to teach that subject. You also need to think about what do you need to plan? So how do you grade? How are you going to go about, you know, developing your lessons, whatever it is. Um, These might be your curriculum materials, your manipulatives, your writing materials, sticky notes, extra student materials, all of the list of things that you're going to be utilizing during a teaching time for that designated workspace. You are going to want to have it next to you. I mean, there's nothing like, you know, either you're teaching in front of students or maybe you're in a Zoom lesson and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I forgot to pull that one material. It's nice to be able to have it right there next to you so that you're not having to get up from the Zoom call or from the lesson and walk away and try to locate those materials um, during the lesson. So really consider all of those pieces. And then once you have your list, it's probably going to be pretty long if you're like us because you think you need all the things. You need to decide what is actually necessary and what's a priority because the reality is you don't need to have everything. You just need to have what is most necessary. And let's be real, this year is going to be different. So you may have to reconsider what materials you need based on new guidelines. And those guidelines might change daily or weekly or monthly, or they might not change at all. I mean, we really have no idea, but things that you used to need may no longer be a necessity because you might not even be able to use it due to social distancing or masks or whatever, but there might be other things that you now need. Bridget mentioned having extra student materials. If you're going to be in person in the classroom with students, you might need to have a set of pencils and sticky notes and all those things on hand. So if a student does not have them, you can give them a new one because students aren't going to be able to share materials. And you just have to really 
figure out of those things I think I need, what is absolutely a priority to have in my workspace? Because you don't want your workspace to have too much and be cluttered. And that leads us into step four, which is going to be to organize materials in your workspace. So you want to have it organized in a way that it, it is easily accessible. And this might really look different for different people. Um, so you might end up having a teacher toolbox. I know that those like are still are they still really popular right now? I'm I think they I are. think they are. I actually just got a notification on Facebook. You know how it will remind you of things you've posted in the past. So I had yeah. a Facebook memory of my very first teacher toolbox for my first year of teaching. And it made me reflect and go, you know what? That was a good investment for me, like investment in terms of buying the toolbox, but also the time I spent organizing and creating the labels because now six years later, I still use a teacher toolbox and that works for me, but I know it's not Bridget's cup of tea and that's fine. Yeah, it, it definitely isn't. And that's mainly because we are so one, we do, ha we are one-to-one. -one, so all of our kids have devices. So I don't think I necessarily have to have a ton of like paper materials. You know what I mean? If I'm using our planner for my planning purposes, I can just kind of highlight and, you know, put a little bookmark on there and I don't actually need the physical material of it. Um, but it is really helpful to keep these materials labeled as you go. So Michelle had mentioned earlier that things are really different. And so as you kind of go and, and are working with the guidelines, you might actually start to make adjustments as you were doing this. And you might find, oh man, I really need to add this into my, my materials. And so you really, this is where organization is going to be really, really important. Add the labels and you really just need to make sure things are kind of placed where like in their home, right? You need to keep them in their little home location at your workspace. Yeah. And that means the items you're using most commonly, like you're using it multiple times throughout the day, that needs to be within an arm's reach. It needs to be closest to you. But you might also have items that you need to keep nearby, but maybe you're only using it once a week when you sit down to plan. Those items can be kind of stored away. It can be in a drawer. It can be in a bin. So really consider how often are you using the materials when you do organize them. And I'm going to give you all a little bit of tough love, okay? And you're, you might hate me for this, but I'm just going to say it because it needs to be said. You do not need to have every color of flare pen within your arm's reach, especially right now as we're having to really prioritize what is in our workspace, especially if you're having to sanitize things all the time. It's just not necessary. Here's the deal. I have a pen caddy. It's a black and white striped pen caddy. I get asked all the time where I got it from. I got it from Target several years ago, and I use it to organize all of my colorful pens and markers. However, I will say when I switched over to distance learning in the spring, I no longer had that at my workspace because I didn't need it. Instead, I had a little cup with literally like three pens. I think I had a Sharpie, I think I had an ink pen, and I had a dry erase marker. That was it because that's all I needed. Now, I didn't throw away all my flare pens. I just moved them so they weren't at my workspace. I kind of stored them away because I wasn't using them as often as I used to. And I feel like you would also mean you would also kind of keep and remember which ones are missing, right? Like I feel like when we have way too many of one thing, then it's like, oh, where is that one, you know, a dry erase marker? But we have so many flare pins and so many sharpies that I feel like it kind of hides where the expo marker is. And so when you kind of reduce and simplify what it is that you have at your desk, then you're not kind of scrounging. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it definitely helps with that. 
So step five for creating your functional space is to maintain your workspace. And this means that you have to clean your workspace when you leave it every single day. Now, this to me is like you need to pick up everything that you've kind of taken from its little home and you return it back to its home where it is properly labeled. Your workspace can be either stored at the end of the day. It can be, you know, you kind of almost have to think about hitting that like reset button. You need to just kind of clean it up, make it tidy. I swear when I started doing this, I felt amazing coming into work the next day. There is just something about having a very clean and tidy workspace that just makes me feel like I'm ready to get back at it. I'm ready to do some work today. Yeah, I think about our kitchen and every now and then we won't do the dishes before we go to bed because we're just tired and you know we're human. So the next day when we go to cook lunch or cook dinner or breakfast, it's always like, oh, we have to clean the dishes first. And then we don't even want to cook at that point. We're like, let's just go grab something. And it becomes this like mushroom of not being productive because of that one decision. But I feel like when you take those few extra minutes to really reset everything and have it be clean and organized for the next day, you're going to thank yourself later. And Bridget mentioned that you might end up storing it So I'm thinking about when I was doing distance learning in the spring and I set up my workspace on my kitchen table. I couldn't leave it there. Well, I could have, but Billy probably wouldn't have liked it. So at the end of the day, I would actually move all of my stuff onto the floor and then the next morning I would just lay it all back out. And this really helped to keep my stress down because I wasn't constantly looking at like a messy workspace going, oh, I really need to clean that up. Instead, I was like, ooh, that looks pretty good right now. And then it increased my productivity because I wasn't wasting time at the start of the next day trying to reorganize everything. So before we wrap up this podcast, let's quickly recap our five steps for creating a functional workspace. Step number one is to choose a designated workspace. Make sure it is an area that is going to be away from distractions and keep in mind, it does not have to be your stereotypical desk. Step number two is to set up your necessary technology. Make sure that it can plug in and that it's going to fit in that space. Step three is to create a list of materials for each task. Think about what you need for planning and grading and teaching and for each different subject area, but really decide what is a priority and a necessity. Step number four is to organize materials in your workspace. Make sure they are organized and easily accessible and make sure they are labeled so you can find what you need quickly. And finally, step number five is to maintain your workspace. This means you are going to clean it and reorganize it at the end of each day so that you can be as productive as possible the next day. Guys, did you know that we only have three more days of our workshops being available? Head on over to teachingonthedouble.com. You can check out our workshops there. We have three fantastic workshops that help you in becoming the top teacher that you want to be and to be able to gain more back of doing the things that you love. We also have a digital planner that is available. Michelle and I have come together. We've combined our two brains to come and give you the best digital planner that we believe is out there. And it actually implements all of the things that we talk about here on our podcast. And 
for all of you podcast listeners out there, we have a special coupon code. You can go ahead and use a podcast 20 when you check out to purchase our digital planner and would receive 20% off. While you are on Teaching on the Double, go ahead and leave us your TSH. We know that things are so very different right now. And with things that are constantly changing, we're curious. What are your time-sucking hurdles? Guys, we use these time-sucking hurdles to really plan out our podcasts. So a lot of the times we look for the ones that are the challenging and, you know, we we really try to kind of focus on being able to provide you the best um, information and the best top tips. So until next time, everyone. Be timely. Stay organized. And be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.